Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Steve. It's good to be with you all today, and I encourage you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. So toward the front of your New Testaments, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John, chapter 20. We are in a series looking at the Lordship of Jesus Christ, particularly looking at the phrase, Jesus as Lord, and in passages where that uh, title uh, takes on a central role. And we started out by looking at two passages of Scripture where Jesus as Lord refers to the fact that He is God. We started out in Romans chapter 10, and in verse 9 it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And in that phrase, the Apostle Paul, when he said that we need to confess with our mouth or believe that Jesus is Lord, he's referring to the fact that Jesus is God. Then we came to Mark chapter 12, where the concept of the Lordship of Jesus Christ carries the idea that Jesus is both God and man. That passage is proving that Messiah is God and man. And if Messiah is God and man, there's no reason to reject the possibility that Jesus Christ is he. If he was not human, if he did not take on humanity, he would not been, have been able to die. If he was not God, he would not have been able to rise again from the dead, never to die again. And so we started out by looking at that phrase, Jesus as Lord, as it refers to Jesus being God. From that point forward, we have been looking at the ramifications of Jesus being God. Since he is God, what are the ramifications of the lordship of Jesus Christ for the individual believer? For those who are his disciples, for those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, that he is God, that he died on the cross as payment for our sin and rose again from the dead. What are the ramifications of the lordship of Jesus Christ for the Christian? We looked a couple of weeks ago at 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 13 through 17 where the, where the Peter was talking to those who are suffering for doing the right thing. And Peter said our response should be to make sure that we sanctify or set apart Jesus Christ as Lord in our hearts. Meaning that he's to have first place. He is to have preeminence in all aspects of our life. Well today is Easter. Easter Sunday. And once again, we're going to look at a passage that refers to Jesus as Lord. In fact, it is one of the most succinct and clear statements of the person of Jesus Christ we find in the New Testament, and it's contained here in John chapter 20. I'm going to read this passage out loud. You can follow along in your copy of the scripture. Starting to read in John chapter 20, verse 19. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. 
And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprints of the nails... And put my finger into the place of the nails. And put my hand into his side. I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut. And stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger. And see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believed. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written in order, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. I have a friend who is not part of Faith Bible Church, who is facing a life-threatening illness. And my friend mentioned to me that he is finding peace in investigating spirituality. And oftentimes when people make a comment that they are trying to investigate spirituality, They are sometimes looking within, somehow trying to find that spiritual part of their person and and get connected to it, or sometimes are trying to find spirituality outside of themselves, some cosmic force to give them strength to make it through. And it's when we are faced with our own mortality that people start to ask, Questions that about which we often don't think. Questions like, why am I here? Is there really a God? What's the purpose to all of this? What happens after death? Or how can I find Peace. And one of the things that we are going to see in John's eyewitness account of Jesus' resurrection appearance to the disciples is that peace and life, the answer to these life's most important questions, are not found in a search for spirituality. They are found in a person. 
And it is that person about whom John writes. And it's that person that we are going to look to today, the person of Jesus Christ. As the section begins to open in chapter 20, verses 19 through 31, we are actually going to be looking at the third movement of a section that starts back in verse 1. And in the first movement of that section in chapter 20, verses 1 through 10, John shows that the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that he is the Christ, the Messiah. Remember, in the Old Testament, going back to, for example, Second Samuel chapter 7, God promised that a descendant of David would sit on David's throne forever and ever, reigning over God's kingdom, a kingdom marked by peace. This descendant of David would be known as a son of God. And Israel started somewhat looking for that anointed one, Hebrew word Messiah, Greek equivalent, Christ. And then by the time we get to the 400 years that takes place from the ending of the writing of the Old Testament to the time of Jesus Christ, looking for the Messiah has been a commonplace desire on the part of the Jewish people. And here, John is writing, asking the question, who is the Messiah? Who is the anointed one? And his point in verses 1 through 10 is the resurrection proves that Jesus is the anointed one, the Christ, the Messiah. And he goes on in verses 11 through 18 and shows that those who are seeking the resurrected Christ will find him. And then in verses 19 through 31, the section we are going to look at this morning, when people find the resurrected Christ, it's in a person that they find peace and life. And that's what we want to see this morning. We'll begin by looking at verses 19 through 29, where we see that peace is available in Jesus Christ. It's interesting as, as we begin to look at this section that Jesus is going to repeat three times, peace be with you. Now, while we might initially think, well, he's just giving a common greeting of the day, the, the Jewish greeting, shalom, there's more being said by Jesus Christ here to the disciples than simply shalom. We find verse 19 recording for us that most likely the ten apostles are gathered behind locked doors. We know from the text that Thomas is not with them for some reason, and Judas has already taken his own life. So at least the ten are gathered, and it tells us in verse 19 that they are gathered on Sunday night. It's resurrection day. It's the first Easter and they are gathered behind the doors that were shut or locked. Why? Because they're afraid. 
They are afraid of Jewish repercussions coming toward them. And it tells us in the text, in verse 19, that Jesus just comes into the room. It says, he came in and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. We're going to see in verse 26 that a week later, we will find then the 11 apostles, at least the 11, behind locked doors once again. And it tells us there that Jesus came in and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. John's point in recording twice that the apostles were behind locked doors is not to stress the apostles' fear. It's to stress the nature of the resurrection body of Jesus Christ. Notice with me in verse 19 that it tells us that as Jesus came in and stood in their midst, in verse 20, he shows them his hands and his side. He has a physical body. The nail prints are still in his hands. The wound where the sword was thrust through his side is still visible. He has a physical body, but it is his resurrection body. He is not limited by those locked doors and entering into a room. Remember, in the first part of John 20, John records for us that the apostles simply looked into the empty tomb and they saw the linens there that were used to wrap Jesus' body and they believed. Most likely, Jesus' resurrection from the dead, as he was raised was his body was removed from those linens without disturbing the linens. Meaning, as the apostles saw those linens still in their original state, except no body inside of them. They weren't just strewn all over the place. They believed he had to be resurrected. And as he passed through those linens, he passed through these walls. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus' resurrection body is the first fruits of many. Meaning that our resurrection bodies will be similar to Jesus' resurrection body. We will be recognizable. We will have a physical body. And here Jesus Christ physically appears before at the time, ten at least of the disciples, and he tells them, peace be with you. In fact, notice with me in verse 21, it says, so Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. In verse 26, when he comes a week later and Thomas is now behind locked doors, again he will say, peace be with you. And I don't think the disciples may have fully grasped the significance of Jesus saying, peace be with you, until they had time to reflect on Jesus' words as the Spirit of God comes into their life and they reflect on all that Jesus said and did. And we recall back just a few pages in John chapter 14, verse 27, when Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. 
nor let it be fearful. Or in chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. So you see the peace that Jesus talks about here is the peace that comes when we know that we have been brought into right relationship with God. It's the peace that results from being reconciled to God. It's the peace that comes when that barrier of sin that's between us and God is removed. It's the peace that Jesus has won on the cross and through his resurrection. It's being right with God. Remember, God is completely right. He is righteous. He's holy. He's set apart from any kind of sin. And God cannot just overlook sin. It would violate his very nature, his character. Our sin demands his right wrath. Our sin demands punishment because of the very nature of God himself. But God's not only a right God, he is a loving God. So he saw our plight and sent the second person of the Godhead, Jesus, who came to earth, took on humanity, lived a sinless life, and then God poured out his wrath on the second person of the Trinity, on the Son. Jesus died in our stead. He died on the cross, taking the penalty for your sin and my sin upon himself, so that he could bring us to God, so that he could win peace for us with God, so that he could reconcile us. And so Jesus here, as he three times states, peace be with you. He's reminding us of the fact that he has won the victory. He has made it possible for us to be right with God. In verses 21 through 23, Jesus goes on in very brief form, gives the apostles their orders, their commission. He says to them, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. The, the, the followers of Jesus, the ten plus all of us are to be about Jesus' work. We are to be his witnesses. We are to be carrying on his mission. And Jesus goes on and explains that he empowers us to do this by his Holy Spirit. And he gives us the message. It is the message of forgiveness of sin that When people trust Jesus Christ, they find forgiveness. If people stand in rejection of Jesus Christ, they don't experience God's forgiveness. Well, Thomas comes back on the scene. And the ten are excited. They come to Thomas. We've seen him. We've seen the Lord. And Thomas responds in verse 25. Unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And there's a particular way in the, in the Greek language that the New Testament was, was written that Thomas really stresses this. He takes two little words, both words for no. 
and he stacks them on top of themselves. It's like a double negative, but in Greek, when you use two of them, it just says, no way. In other words, Thomas says, unless I touch the nail prints in his hands and feel that, that the wound in his side from which the sword made, there's no way I am going to believe that he rose from the dead. Well, eight days pass. The disciples are once again behind locked doors. And once again, with Thomas present this time, Jesus enters. Once again, in verse 26, he says, peace be with you. And Jesus says to Thomas, reach here with your finger. See my hands, reach here your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. You see, Thomas comes to a point when he comes face to face with the resurrected person of Jesus Christ that he believes. He puts his faith in the person of Jesus Christ. It's personal. He says, my Lord, my God. And he finally has come to the point where he recognizes that Jesus is God. Notice this, the succinct statement of the personhood of Jesus Christ. Thomas verbalizes that Jesus is God, but he says, my Lord and my God. He is saying something more about Jesus than just that he is God. He has known him as master, teacher. They have been following him for three years. But now as he finally, how everything has come together and he recognizes that Jesus is God himself, the second person of the Trinity, that Jesus is the Messiah. The Lordship of Jesus Christ takes on new meaning for Thomas. And he realizes since Jesus is God who died for him and rose again from the dead, he owes everything to him. The Lordship of Jesus Christ has everything to say about Thomas's priorities. The Lordship of Jesus Christ has everything to say about how Thomas will live his life. The Lordship of Jesus Christ has everything to say about Thomas's choices in his everyday life. The Lordship of Jesus Christ is heightened when Thomas recognizes that Jesus is God who died for him and rose again from the dead. Jesus says to him, because you've seen me, have you believed? About half of your English translations have this in a question form. About half of our English translations is more of a declarative statement translated here in, in verse 29. Because you have seen me, you have believed. You remember in in early manuscripts, there weren't like question marks. It's up to the the those uh, who are interpreting the text and the scribes uh, to figure out if it was a question or not. And later, like punctuation was added to help us. But either way, whether it's a question or a declarative statement, Jesus accepts Thomas's faith statement here. But he goes on to say. You believed in me when you saw my physical wounds. You believed in the resurrection when he finally came to the point where you could touch 
the nail prints in my hands. How blessed are those who believe in me without having to see me physically. Peter writes about this in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm just going to read those verses quickly. You can listen or if you don't want to uh, uh, turn to those. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes this. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. You see, Jesus here as he talks to Thomas is making a comment or a statement that applies to all of us. We don't have the privilege of being able to see the nail prints or the wound of the sword. sword. But we have the eyewitness account of the Apostle John who wrote these things so that we too can believe. You see, all of us desperately need to answer those most important questions. How did I get here? Is there a God? Why am I here? How can I have peace in my life? And while people today are searching for those answers in all sorts of places, those answers are not found in just searching for spirituality. They are found in a person. And in John's eyewitness account here, he records for us that as Jesus rose from the dead, his appearance to his disciples was enough that they recognized that he physically rose from the dead, proving that he is God. I'm reading a book right now that I started two summers ago. It's my vacation book. I only read it on vacation. And two vacations ago, I got into it pretty far, but then I took a break till the next summer vacation. And as I came back to my book, I thought, well, it's been a year. I better just start over. So I started all the way over again to the beginning. And I didn't make it. It's like six or 700 pages. So this summer, I'm going to finish my book. It's a biography about Abraham Lincoln called A. Lincoln by Ronald White. Love the author. He, he does such a good job of using primary resources of using letters of Lincoln, letter of Lincoln's counterparts, uh, newspaper articles, uh, all kinds of journal entries, and he weaves them together in, in a very enjoyable way. And I have confidence in the historicity of what Ronald White is writing because he uses primary resources. The only thing that would be better is if he could give a first-person account. But, of course, he's still alive, so that's impossible. 
here in the Gospel of John, we not only have primary sources, we have an eyewitness record that we can have confidence in the authenticity of what John says here because he saw it. He witnessed it. And he is recording for us the fact that we find peace in a person. The reality of the resurrected person of Jesus Christ. He goes on in verses 30 and 31 and actually tells us the purpose statement for his entire gospel. And the fact that we not only find peace in a person, we find life in a person. Remember at the end of verse 29, John wrote, Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Therefore, verse 30, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these things have been written so that you may believe. You see, John's whole purpose... I believe, and the Gospel of John is evangelistic. He wants people to read his record, his historical record of the life and words of Jesus Christ, and as a result, believe in him. And here, notice in verse 30, John says, Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed. Well, other signs, what's the sign, the main sign? It's the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ for John is the preeminent proof that Jesus Christ is the answer to John's question, who is the Messiah? Who is this anointed king who will reign on the throne of David forever and ever? Who is this one to be considered God's son? It's Jesus Christ. And in verse 31, John writes, these things have been written. So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. Remember, that's the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word Messiah, the anointed one. The Son of God. And that believing, you may have life in his name. You know, John's talked about that life earlier in the Gospel of John. Probably the most well-known verse in the entire Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. Jesus said, for God to love the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We have a road here in Cedar Rapids called Blair's Ferry Road. Those of us who live here are very familiar with it. And on Blair's Ferry Road, as you get close to Interstate 380, on the north side of the road, for years, as long as I can remember, there has been a house that has a sign in front of it that advertises psychic readings. Sometimes it may be even said you can have your palm read there or something. Well, they have a new sign now. I don't know if you've noticed it. It's quite pretty. It's got good color. It's a banner that says psychic readings and life coaching. I looked at that and I thought, there's a problem here. Psychic readings and life coaching. Now, 
it's indicative of the culture in which we live. People want to have some kind of purpose to this existence we are in, but people are looking in all kinds of places to find that purpose. Let's find spirituality and thus find a course for our life. But John is here to tell us and remind us that peace and life are not found in trying to find an internal spirituality or an external spirituality, some cosmic force that will give us enablement to live life. But peace and life are found in a person. The person of Jesus Christ. And you may be here today and you're still grappling with these questions. You are still not totally convinced in your heart that you are right with God or there is a God or that or that you have found that peace and that purpose and that life that Jesus talks about here in John 20. I want to encourage you this morning as you leave, we have a little box at the back of this room that we put our offerings and tithes in here at Faith Bible Church. And back on that box is just a little pamphlet that says, may I ask you a question? You open it up and the first thing it says is, has anyone ever taken a Bible and shown you how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven? And I would encourage you, if you're still grappling with this question in your life, take one of these. You can take it home, take out your copy of the Bible at home, look up the verses that are in here, look up verses that we've talked about this morning, and find for yourself that peace and life are found in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. And maybe you've found Christ in your life, but you have a friend that you're dialoguing with. Go ahead and grab one of these and share it with a friend. May I ask you a question? Peace and life are available in a person the person of Jesus Christ. This morning, we are going to have some water baptism. And here at Faith Bible Church, when we baptize, we do so with the understanding that the person who is being baptized has already come to a point in their life where they recognize that They have sinned against God. They've done things and thought things that are contrary to God's character and his will. And they realize that they can't fix that themselves. And have put their trust in the person of Jesus Christ. They believe that he is God, that he died for them and rose again. And coming to be baptized, they are coming to make a statement a public statement that they are a Christian, as the New Testament defines it, and in an an act of obedience to Jesus Christ, they want to make a public testimony that they have believed in Christ and want to live for him. If you are being baptized this morning, you can be dismissed now and, and go get ready. 
And uh, Pastor Brian is going to come and lead us in a couple of songs, and then we will have our time of baptism. It's not going to take a long time this morning. And if you are a guest here and, and didn't know we were going to do this, as we are singing, if you need to slip out, feel free to do so. But I encourage you to stay because this is a highlight for us at Faith Bible Church. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ that we serve a risen Savior, and we thank you for the hope in him. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.